Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One metamorpho. One plastic man. One fortnight, fortnightly discussion of comics and nerd culture. Still still rough. I'm your host, Robbie Norman, literature geek and writer. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 209. We are forgetting how to talk. It's hard. Robbie can't say words. I'm quiet. This is a tragedy. <laughs> I hate being quiet. <laughs> I was about to say... Yeah, who the fuck am I? Who even am I? Ninth circle of hell, where oh, Eric Goodnight has to be quiet. Mm-hmm. This is the the literal worst. <laughs> Hi guys, how you doing out there? Good, good. That's good to hear. It is. It is good to hear. It, it warms warms my bones. We are going to be discussing later on in Nerdboy Book Club. Uh, is this guy for real? The unbelievable Andy Kaufman by Box Brown. That's that's quite a title. It is a silly title. Uh, Box Brown is the best. We'll be talking about how he's the best later on. Mm-hmm. List all the ways. Bullet points. You want to hear something I learned from Box Brown this week? Sure. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's real name? Richard Blood. It's Richard Blood. Thanks for interrupting me, so- jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're you're gonna have to work. You're gonna have to dig deep for me to for to get me some old WCW facts that I don't know. I I didn't. I this is why I was telling you. It's not the fact. It's the fact that I learned it. Ah, from Box Brown. That's that's what's new to you. I mean, I also see your Twitter likes. <laughs> so no, it's not. You start that. my Twitter likes, huh? I, hey, I. It's not. I'm not doing it. Twitter just surfaces things that. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter's just like, here, you follow these people. Here's everything they do. I'm like, I don't need to. I mean, it's nice that they like someone's selfie, but okay. I don't I don't even communicate with this person. Why are you telling me what they like? Oh, all yeah, right. Okay, it's, thanks, it's Twitter. Important. Yeah. Big data. Yeah, it's very important no, that I know I, everything. I, not, only did I, not only did I like it, I, I cleverly retweeted it with a commentary. Oh. That you, Box Brown's original name before he changed it. Was John Comic Drawer. <laughs> that's pretty good. I thought it was pretty funny. That's a pretty good. That's a good bit. Uh, before we get to talking about Box Brown and Andy Kaufman, uh, we're going to talk about comic books that came out the past couple weeks. How's that? How's that sound? That is uh, literally one of my favorite things to do, particularly right now. Okay, cool. Because that's what we're about to do. It is time yep. for Fortnite Lay Floppy. Flop- oh, I got the segment wrong, Eric. Uh, you called it fortnightly floppies. It should be floppies fortnightly. I think it, it's it's reversible. It's like a jacket you can turn inside out, oh. or a belt that's <laughs> oh. terrible, but you can. But it's brown on one side and black on the other. <laughs> Don't really buy those belts, guys. They're horrible. Just buy just buy two belts and like a fucking adult. <laughs> it's the only belt I own is a reversible belt. Go to hell, Robbie. <laughs> I also own a gray belt. <laughs> That's a get a, get a white belt and listen to Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> I'm not going to a Cannibal Corpse show with a white belt on. I'll get massacred. <laughs> I 
I went to a Lamb of God show, and they literally said, if you're wearing a white belt, take it off and throw it on the stage. <laughs> they had five belts by the end of a song. Oh, They're like, God. good job. You guys are closer to being human. Oh, metalheads. Exactly. Comic books. Comic books. Dogs. Dogs. Hey, dogs. Speaking of. Uh, Flavius for Nightly is when Eric and I take a uh, take a look at this week's or this past two weeks' books. Tell you to buy or do not buy them. Our first book of the week is Lockjaw, number one. We got a whole bunch of number ones. Uh, mm-hmm. Written by Daniel Kibblesmith, pencils Carlos Villa, inks Roberto Poggi, colors Chris O'Halloran, letters Clayton Cows. That's uh, st- <laughs> I think it's very funny that this book with a big cute Lockjaw all over it is basically mm-hmm. a backdoor D-Man comic. I think like, someone had a pitch for it's a it's, comic it's about... Not really even, it's not even really backdoor. It's uh, He's just the main character in the Lockjaw comic. <laughs> because Lockjaw's a dog. <laughs> yeah, he can't really talk. He doesn't, doesn't friggin' talk. We don't, need, we don't need to Snoopy this shit up. We don't need the Garfield comic <laughs> starring Lockjaw. I... I mean, I would I, read a comic about him eating lasagna, though. That would be that would that would be funny. I I, I like you, Lockjaw. I like Lockjaw. I was that, and I think that's the thing that I I, w- I didn't know exactly what to expect from this because Lockjaw is a dog, and I was thinking, mm. is this a kids' book or like a all ages book with you know playful Lockjaw? And certainly, certainly there is playful Lockjaw in this, but mm-hmm. also. D-Man's talking about depression a lot, so it's I wouldn't necessarily call it an all-ages book. So it's um, it's basically like if Lockjaw wandered into BoJack Horseman. Yeah, that's not that far off, I think. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know, Lockjaw's fun. They're fighting hamsters. Lockjaw has a 30-year-old son. <laughs> Is that is that is it his son is that, is that the? That's what that's how I'm choosing to read that. It could be damned anything. Who knows? That 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 puppy could be a scroll. Who the hell knows what's going on? <laughs> it is thirty years old though. <laughs> Fucking comics. It's had a birthday. It had a birthday. <laughs> Dog birthdays. <What> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's very charming. This book is very charming. Yeah. And I, frankly, I'm like washed up superheroes. With like fun loving t- the teleporting dogs that mm-hmm. are pretty uh, that's a good combination dogs mm-hmm. teleporting inhuman dogs uh, cheering up uh, depressed former washed up superheroes cool I don't know it, it's it, I think it's it's funny it balances that it balances the humor and the kind of uh, I don't know more somber depression and stuff from D Man a little pretty well mm-hmm. it it looks nice. He drinks all of Karnak's milk. He does. Karnak's like, I know your weakness. You like milk. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, comic books. Thank comic you. books. I'm a buy. I like Lockjaw. I like this comic. It's it's. Did, did, did it's, you know that uh, Mike Norton got upset? Mike Norton, author of uh, Battle Pug. Mm-hmm. Got upset about the the preview cover for next uh, next month of this because there's a man on top of a dog. Yes, I mean he felt a little ripped off. I mean, mm. mm-hmm. I mean, I'm gonna say like you you, you still look from He Man. 
Yeah, I was gonna say like so my, it's okay. Yeah, they've been doing that kind of man riding giant versions of animals is not mm-hmm. you didn't invent that, Mike Norton. You're I, I like you, but you did not invent that idea. Well, he didn't make a huge stink about it I, because yes, it is kind of a zeitgeisty thing, but he was just like, Come on, man. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh are you a buy, Eric? On Lockjaw, yes. Buy and cuddle this book. That's a double buy, Lockjaw, number one. Next up is The Terrifics, number one, part one of three, written, let's see, storytellers, Ivan Ivan Rice and Jeff Lemeyer, inks, Joe Prado, colors, Marcelo Maiello, letters, Tom Napolitano. Or Ivan Reese, Rice, I never know how to say it. Um, So, do you, I'm going to ask you a question, Eric. Mm -hmm. There is a comic book, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It, it, it was called The Fantastic Four. Who are they? Uh, okay, so there's one guy. He's really smart. Mm-hmm. A little arrogant, though. Uh, he has uh, a wife mm-hmm. who can turn invisible and make force fields. Uh, then then she, she has a, a brother who's a hothead, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively, because he can catch himself on fire. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, 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 they all have a buddy... Who is a rock man? Mm-hmm. He can punch. He punches guys real good. He's from. He'll, the, he'll he'll come up with a fun nickname for you. Yeah, and he's he's from the streets. He has blue eyes. Mm-hmm. The tough, the tough streets. Yeah, he's he's a tough guy. He's friends with a with a with a gang of children. He is. <laughs> he is. He is a the, bunch of Dickensian ruffians. <laughs> he is kind of that is exactly. But there is no Fantastic Four comic out right now. There is a Marvel 2-in-1 that maybe eventually will lead to a Fantastic Four comic book. Mm. But there is no Fantastic Four. So what DC did was, let's make our own. <laughs> yep. I mean, well, let's not pretend that, that that's what the whole history of these two comic book companies. No, <laughs> so Let's just rip each other off like crazy. I mean, yes, it's not the first... I'm again cycles. They're the mm-hmm. Fantastic Four was also ripping things off. I'm just saying that. Oh yeah, this is a Fantastic Four comic. It is a pulp adventure with a team of four superheroes mm-hmm. with its similar personalities. It seems yeah. so far, at least. It's it is maybe they wanted to write a Fantastic Four comic. I mean, like, that's a dead Galactus in space. It, yeah, that's the other thing. That's a dead Galactus in space. That's what that is. It looks... I mean, they both have giant big space guys that do things, mm-hmm. but that uh, it does look like a giant, which... Mm-hmm. I mean, if I hadn't read Hickman's Fantastic Four run where they literally have the corpse of Galactus hanging around for part of it, I would maybe not think about it so much, but... I did, and they do certainly have the corpse of Galactus just kind of riding mm-hmm. around in that comic a lot. So that is a dead Galactus, uh, basically. But I say all that, I still enjoyed my time with this. Um, yeah, I struggled with it at first because it is written in a very cheesy comic booky sort of way. But once I realized it was very intentional, because it didn't feel that stupid it just upset me at first like i'm really cautious of that i think it the thing that it reminds me of the most is uh what is it, the 1963 series do you know what i'm talking about the 60 yes yes i know 1963 i think it's called 63 and not 64 i think it's what i always want to call it 
Yes, yeah, it's called 1963, which is Alan Moore. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that it's it 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 made me think of a comic that was really trying hard to harken back to that 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 era, and I mean, and then and then Tom Strong shows up, so I was like, okay, this is this is definitely trying to sort of speak in that voice. To, to varying degrees of success, I think. But I think it still, it still comes off pretty good, you know? Like, I could, I could see reading a couple of books that sort of had this big, dumb, comic booky, fun, innocent sort of feel to them. I, I, think, the, I, th- I think I can accept that. I, and I think the cast is, like, there's a reason Fantastic Four worked and still can work, I think, is those that blended personalities is an easy way to have fun comic books. You know, I have these these all these different personalities bouncing off of each other. And I think the cast so far seems pretty interesting. Um, and how do you feel about them having Tom Strong in here? Does it um, bother you I, like it bothers you like Watchmen Doomsday Clock? You know, it, it you would think that it would, but it isn't. And I don't know why, like, Watchmen is a sacred cow to me. And I, I honestly, I think I'm very fond of Tom Strong comics. There was a period that it was, like, kind of the only comic book that I liked. It was, like, the only thing that I wanted to read. Like, I, I really love Tom Strong books. But I think, I don't know, maybe it was because it was written to be this big, goofy, puffed-up adventure story with you know, all these multiverses and things. I could see it fitting inside another universe or crossing over, and I'm less offended by the idea. Tom Strong, the the, the premise in and of itself is more open to adaptation and mm-hmm. change because it is yeah. a multiversal mm-hmm. traveler, adventurer, who is always get, getting up to new shenanigans while Watchmen is designed as an enclosed yes. thing. Beginning and end... No more, thank you. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's and it's. I feel the same way. I don't like. I do. Res, you know, I, I. I don't know. I. I Alan Moore. I know, and uh, and and Chris Sprouse don't. I don't think they're too happy about Tom Strong being used, even though they don't really have like legally. They have. It, it's a problem with superhero comics in general, not just like. I think we we think about it because Alan Moore is alive. And and, mm-hmm. and and but so here's a the, question. Mm-hmm. I mean, he made that for America's Best Comics, which was his own label. Correct. But then, like, why in the hell is it in DC now if he didn't sell it? He did. Well, D, he technically did. Mm-hmm. It, there's a. It, I I don't have it in front of me, but I read a whole thing about how. Okay. It was like a a complicated like when he went to work for America's Best, but America's Best was underneath Rob Liefeld's thing and Rob Liefeld sold his thing to DC, which included America's best comics. And Alan Moore, of course said he got screwed in the deal somewhere along the line, which he probably did, frankly. Uh, but DC ends up, they own, they own it. They own Tom strong. They own Watchmen. All those, all those America's best comics. They technically own, I think at least some of them, some of them, I think might have gotten it, pushed out of the deal somehow i don't it's complicated it, it's licensing which is always really strange i this is a good fun comic i don't know until 
Marvel wants to make have Hickman write a new Fantastic Four comic with them going across the universe, you know, fixing the multiverse and everything. I'll happily read DC's version of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm a buy. I think it's great. Yeah, there's a lot of good here. So yeah, buy. That's double buy. Terrific's number one. Next up, the beef number one. Plot script letters: Richard Starkings. Plot script: Tyler. I don't Shane line Shane line art and colors looks like. shaky cane design John Rochelle amigo Francisco Bustamante I don't know what that means but they get a credit in the book mm-hmm. what Friend of the book of it, Francisco Bustamante I did Eric yeah help 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 you're on your own buddy <laughs> no I don't want to be alone with the beef no, you don't need to, 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 no one needs to be alone with it. <laughs> this reminds me it's a weird this is a weird book. Getting a lot of weird ones lately. Yeah, I, this is this is a weird one. This is um I feel like this is someone who wanted to do like a Hernandez brothers book, but like it's just not as good. It reminds me of in a weird way of Luther Strode. In that it is, yeah. it is like not in how it looks, but like yeah. like how it works. In that it is like this put upon like every man kind of loser mm-hmm. guy, and yeah, it's the it's the revenge of um, you know your petty bullshit, and also the he gets powers in a weird way that is like couched in kind of a weird Americana almost like fast food and versus you know workout exercise t- uh, advertisements it feels like yeah he ate too much hamburger so he's a he's a powered man now mm-hmm. i i just find it unpleasant i would say i find pretty much every aspect of this comic repugnant i think like i the suggestion that none of this stuff does this to you it's just it's just insane like, I just, I just find the idea of like the combination of food and and GMOs and things, like all this bullshit anti-science misinformation. I just personally find it very offensive. That's just my own, my own self. You know, I believe the science that the shit is literally fine for you, and there's nothing that's happened to literally anybody from eating any of this stuff and uh, to, to, to make a, a, a superhero out of this stuff, is just stupid. There's nothing really all that rich or fun in here other than that. Like I just, I can't see anything really all that valuable about this book. I, I, I mean, you have like friggin' like, Google Translate Spanish in here and like artwork that looked like someone described Jaime Hernandez's art to them and like then they played the telephone game and then they drew the fucking artwork. I I I just I do not enjoy this book. It also reminds me of Toxic Avenger. Trauma stuff. Yeah, I get um that kind of endears it to me a little bit. But I but it, it is it is that kind of that kind of genre, I think. Yeah, I I like 
I know that yes, the hamburger, the stuff that they're, they're talking about, the burgers eating, you eat so much cheeseburgers and you're drinking soda, so you turn into a, so you have weird powers or stuff. I understand that they're making it all up, like yeah. they're making up the terms and everything for it, but that like it's not. I don't think it's necessarily productive, but I not. It's also like the villains are just. I don't know. Maybe it's just. I don't like just everyday morons who are gonna like what's what is the end game in this? What is like the what is the beef? Is the beef gonna have like he's just gonna fight these two dudes? Yeah, I'm, I'm not interested. I don't like what is it saying? Is it trying to say something about our the industry like how we, you know the the, the farming industry like that's this is I don't this is not a comic that's productive in that i don't think if you want to like there are valid criticisms about uh factory farming but having i'm also i'm also pretty uh over like i think it's a really tired plot device to use like overt racism like this that to be like oh well these guys are bad guys look how racist they are like like everybody hates that that's just so stupid and tired and and just I don't know. Yeah, I it's not they're not real people. They're not characters. They're just all they are is just hey, they're bullies. And that's mm. all. They they are they're bad. They're bad people. Okay. I I don't I don't know. I'm going to do not buy. Yeah, this book is no thank you. It's a double do not do not buy on the beef number 1. Next up is Deathbed number 1. By Joshua Williamson and Riley Rosmo. Colors, Ivan Placentia. Letters by Darren Bennett. Deathbed, the bed that eats people. <laughs> That's what I thought when I first saw it. <laughs> That's the... A Pat Oswalt classic. It is. This is not that. This is... Sadly, no. How do you feel about this? Um, it's big and dumb and corny. And I enjoy the art in it. It's weird. I, I don't know. Like, I think it's got, like, some serious problems. Like, it's hokey as hell and it's stupid. But, like, I'll be damned if I don't have a good time reading it. Naked motherfucker chopping these guys in half. He is, he is naked. Just, like, senselessly naked. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he had to lure them in. Yeah. He apologizes. Like, yeah, he had to... He had to lure them in with his penis. How tall is this gentleman? Eight feet tall. <laughs> He's very tall, or she's very short. She is, comes up to his waist at the last page. Mm-hmm. She definitely does. I think it's. I think you just have to accept that it's cartoony. Got it. Okay. And that's just fine. I'm. I'm sure that their relative heights would change a lot. I yeah I don't know I feel like I have some misgivings about this because it feels like mm-hmm. I I s- still want something yeah you know I, it's well well and good to have like a naked dude chopping zombies in half or Egyptian f- samurai what are they pharaoh they're like Egyptian guys I think but I'm not you yeah you mummy assassin character classes mummy assassins but they have yeah. like a lot of they have. They have a lot of stuff going on, but he just, you know, they are, they are metal slug bad guys. <laughs> That's probably pretty appropriate. Yeah. I just want, uh, I don't know. I, the pitch is like, that's the hook is like, oh yeah, she's going to follow this guy around as he tries to get killed. Basically, he's going to go after mm-hmm. bigger and bigger things. And 
I think there's a kernel of like fun in there, like a kernel of interest in more than just hey, this is a fun action book where she gets mm-hmm. she makes pithy comments and he like chops things in half while he's naked or something, mm-hmm. like pursuit of death and like if he's gotten immortal, which is what this I don't know if he actually is immortal or not, but it seems like there's a question of like he's done all these things for so for many 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 years. It seems like he's not. He doesn't feel like he's right, just a regular human guy. He feels like there's something else going on in there. I I, I like Riley Rosmo. Mm-hmm. I, the art is very nice. It's fun. Yeah. This is. I I think that's a big reason I'm willing to forgive um, the stupidity of this book is I think the art sets the tone just right to make it fun. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this big dumb guy walk around and kill shit and there's gonna be a snarky uh chubby like curvy lady with gibson girl hair just snarking at him the whole time you know i'm i have no problem with this yeah this is this is this is this has hit enough of my um this has pushed enough of my buttons that i'm pretty okay with this yeah, I think you're. I think I'm right with you. Where I like, mm-hmm. I have misgivings, but I'm like, eh, it's still fun, and I'll. I don't know. I'll probably read. The, I'll definitely buy a trade of it. I'm sure. I don't know if I'm gonna. Yeah. But I do. I, this is a fun book, and you should probably check it out uh, if you like the ideas of people fighting mummy assassins mm-hmm. and other, probably other assassins. They'll probably be around. So I wonder if he's supposed to be like the Phantom or something. He certainly looks like it at the end there. Like yeah, like a a, um, a cartoony version of the Phantom, Pul- pulpy hero guy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, definitely a pulpy hero guy, but like I'm wondering if he's supposed to be specifically supposed oh. to be the Phantom. I don't know. I'm a buy. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, despite, yeah. my, despite my misgivings, I'm 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 down. That's a double buy. Deathbed number one. Our last book is Punks Not Dead number one, uh, written by David Barnett, artist. Uh, Martin Simmons, Color Flats, D. Kniff, Letters, Aditya Bidikar. What? Okay, Sixth Sense, but only one particular ghost, which just happens to be Sid Vicious. Mm-hmm. It makes me happy. You don't like it? I'm going to... Okay, th- I, this is my hang-up with this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's necessarily reasonable. If it was some, like, normal... Like, it was some, like... An- Sid Vicious analog, mm-hmm. like it was. Hey, a like it was Simon Ferocious. Yes, some yeah, you know. That's that's what Freddie Mercury apparently called Sid Vicious one time. Yes, it pissed him off. Yes, and it, every time I see that little the gif of Freddie Mercury laughing, yeah. I laugh too. <laughs> uh, you should. Yes, I probably would not. I would like this book more. I, I, I don't know. It's the thing that that uh, I mentioned in that Amelia Earhart. Earnhardt book uh, mm-hmm. with the uh, what's his face uh, mystery. You think I, if it, it's if it's if it's a fake character, you're freer to be a little bit weirder with it, and it's less an act of fan wankery. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, if you're gonna write in Sid Vicious to your comic book, I'm expecting him to be Sid Vicious, and this guy is not. Sid Vicious was an idiot. This is not Sid. This is not Sid Vicious, as far as okay. I know. It can, it can, it can be a fictional version. I know. It, I as know. far as I care. I know. It's just, it feels like this is a thing that's happening more and more and more, where we're just throwing in dead people, dead real people, into fictional comic books. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm getting kind of tired of it. Like, 
it feels more and more like an empty gimmick of like, yeah, instead of making your own character, we're just going to write ghost fan fiction about a punk guy, I guess. I, of course, I don't know what if he's really Sid Vicious because there's some weird ominous stuff that happens at the end where I'm not, I don't know if you're supposed to think this is actually Sid Vicious or some weird ghost monster that just takes the form of whatever. So I don't know. And I don't, I think, I, I think that's my other maybe point of contention is that there's these two things happening in this book. There's like the Fergie with his Sid Vicious ghost friend. And that's all right. And then you got the paranormal investigator lady uh, doing her Doctor Strange work, basically. And that's also all right. I like both of them. Mm-hmm. But together, I don't know what, like, I don't why I don't know why I'm being shown both yet. It just feels like, oh, yeah, she's just going to let us know that there's a bad stuff happening. But I don't I guess I don't have that uh, the ticking time bomb, as you like to say. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't feel like the pressure. I don't there's no there's no going like what do I need like is it am I supposed to feel like oh Sid is actually a bad bad ghost man. So watch out. No, well, I wonder if it would be enough because it would be I wonder if it would be a flat concept if it would just be oh I, here's this punk that died in 1979 and he's haunting this kid for whatever odd reason and he acts kind of like Sid vicious but like whatever. I wonder if that concept is tired. I, I, I don't know. This made me smile, and I had a good time reading it. And I just like the idea of like this trashy idiot following this kid around and giving him terrible advice, like that. That make and just and and getting ghost beers. I don't know what that's about. Like just walking around a drunk ghost. I um, I don't know. I I enjoy this a lot. I thought it was a fun book. I think it's. What do you think about the art? It's an interesting. It's an interesting critic. You know, I I do like it. It's a little. Um, it's a little Phil Noto for me. I was about to say it reminds me of. Noto. Yeah, it's a little Phil Noto. It's a little. Um, I mean, he looks just like like this is the this is the punk Morpheus from Sandman. That's that's who he really is. Um, but I mean, no, I, I, I do enjoy it. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of good here. I, I enjoy this book. It made me laugh. It made me smile. Um, I think it's a good premise, honestly. I don't feel like it's as clunky as the Amelia Earnhardt book. No, I agree with you there. I don't think it's that. I feel like it is. I. It's not, it's just little things at the edges, like, like, pestering me about Here, it i don't know here's maybe. a question mm-hmm. why the hell does his mom's hair color change i, I don't think they like the she says i'm gonna go over here and wash my hair and she comes back and she's blonde there is a picture of her at the beginning with blonde hair and i don't remember i was looking around if there's like a panel or something that i've missed where she's like dyed her hair for this damn television show they're on i don't get it i don't it, it makes no sense to me did you see this at all? Did you notice? I did not notice, but that I don't. That, well, uh, he's with a he's with a, bl- a black haired woman mm-hmm. with glasses. Yes, and she's talking to him in the airport. Mm-hmm. He, he calls her mom, mm-hmm. and then when she comes back, she's fucking blonde. So, like, I don't know what I'm missing. I think I don't. I don't. I don't know. I maybe she's just wearing a wig. I guess I don't know. I have no idea. But it seems like that seems like a kind of thing when your character's appearance changes radically. I think that's the kind of thing that you address with a scene, at the very least, a couple of word bubbles. It's weird. 
Anyway, maybe maybe she does dye her hair at in the class in the in the super fancy club shower root bathroom. Yeah, in the in, in the bathroom. He says I, he does I, I say know. he does point out she steals fancy shampoo, mm-hmm. but I does not say anything about her hair changing. I don't know. I think it. My I think most of my like I was I'm kind of aware that my my complaints are nitpicky. It just they oh yeah it just kind of stuck around when I was reading this and kind of pestering me. I'm like, well, why? Eh, I I think it's another thing that I, I I'm most of my complaints are probably just gonna I'll like a lot of things I have like after an arc of this I'll probably go oh that's why he's yeah. sued and oh that's why we have these two. Com- his stories contrasting each other, and oh, that's why. So, I, 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 you are you just a straight up a buy, Eric? I think so. I will also be a buy. I think I can dismiss my complaints, banish them, wash them away like that black hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can be a pretty blonde lady too, if I want to. That's a double buy. Punk's not dead. Number one. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for checking in. Checking in is the part of the show where Eric and I talk about what we've been up to uh, the week or two after an episode. Uh, a week or two between what our episodes, I suppose. Um, things we've seen or done or read or played or whatever. What's up, Eric? How's it going? What's up, bro? I saw Black Panther. You know, talk about the Panther. Sure, a little bit, if you want to. Mm-hmm. So I guess, disclaimer, spoilers for Black Panther. Yes, there probably there'll, there'll be probably some minor spoilers. I will if you want to fast forward until well, I'll try and give some a fair fair five second warning when we're done. I thought it was very good. Yep. All Talk right. over. Talk over. <laughs> no, I thought I had a I had a really good time. Um, what uh, what are your impressions? Um, I th- I what think are your, what are your sweeping sweeping? I think it's, I think it's very good. I think it's very audacious. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that I took away from it is that it's it does it's really impressive how much it does in the time it has, uh, and I I think that's my only complaint about it honestly is that it was doing so much in like two hours and it probably would be a little bit better if it had more time or if it did a little less. But I it underst- didn't it didn't ever it never felt like too much to me. I find that's interesting. I think it's just. I, I think I wanted more Killmonger. Yeah, the the world wants more Killmonger. I mean, I, and I think that's what I mean. I like I want more of like. There's so many characters introduced that are only hinted at their background and depth. And they're we're all we're all really broken up by the end. Here's a big spoiler: where Kill, Killmonger is killed. <laughs> I mean, I I think that. I don't know. I was really crushed. I was like, "No, he's fucking awesome." And I and then like everyone's mad about that. I mean, Jesus Christ. The, the the fucking internet is lit up. I don't over Killmonger. Yeah, it's not I'm sure they could not possibly bring people back to life in uh superhero in movies. In comics? Are you kidding? Yeah, like Quicksilver is definitely going to stay dead too. I guarantee that. Yeah, probably. Especially now that Disney has the rights to him or will shortly. I don't think Quicksilver is going to... Okay, so I think that's... And that's what I mean by I wish there was more. I mean, I want more of the... Like, all those characters are very interesting. And, like, I I think it's a victim of its own success. It's a victim of being... Of all everything being so interesting and, like, compelling and well... 
well crafted that I want more time with Killmonger. I want more time with Killmonger and T'Challa together, like mm-hmm. uh, without f- them just fighting in a, on a train or like on train tracks. I want like discourse and like weird like them shouting at each other about <laughs> colonization. Like I, that's that's interesting and fun, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't get much of it, you know. And ha- seeing like. It's not really much of a criticism to say I want more of everything. Yeah, I mean, and I already, of course, it's made like nine hundred million dollars in like three weeks. It's they're gonna make more Black Panther. That's the, yeah, they're not. They're gonna make another one. But I, I think that's the thing. Like I was left like there's there was more. I think me it, like I think Ryan Coogler said there's a four hour cut of this movie, and I think I don't know four hours. That might be too much, but. I think another... Are you kidding? They made they made six hour cuts of the Lord of the Rings movies, Ugh. and that shit like each one six hours like that that shit's excessive. I'll I... I'll take a four hour Black Panther cut. Yeah, it's it's that there's like they obviously everyone involved went to extensive efforts to like I don't know what the but it's just there's so much unknowns there there's so much things that they don't explain because they don't have time for it and then and i mean it gives the universe a very lived in feel but like you just read about the little the the actors themselves are like yeah this is the backstory for this character i'm like wow that's really fascinating that's none of that's in the movie i would love to get more of that you know i'd love to get more of and frankly i would like a little bit more i think it could have been a little bit a little bit more levity in there at times it is a pretty dour movie. And, like, I don't know. I guess that's, that is that is the Marvel superhero thing is, like, yeah, they're all kind of the same because they all have these, like, jokey kind of light attitudes at times. I think it could have had a little bit more Shori making fun of her brother. I think that's probably <laughs> a little bit about him wearing sandals. But that's minor nitpicking, again. I, I think it it felt like how I felt like when I watched Iron Man for the first time, the very first Iron Man, when like yeah. when you're when it like peeked into like oh right this is opening up a whole world of potential and it it feels like this it feels like very much like T'Challa it felt like you know at the end of Iron Man Tony Stark goes I am Iron Man and it, that when he does that it feels like boom things are opening up and now with T'Challa kind of like going, yeah, we're going to open up Wakanda. We're going to let the world know what Wakanda really is. It feels like it feels similar in scope. It feels very much like this is going to be big. And I feel like he T'Challa is going to be a big part of the next post Infinity War stuff. I feel like they're going to make him probably a, a relatively central character. Um, and also this movie, they just made bas- basically make him James Bond. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. Works. Hey, uh, yes, yes. We never got uh, the Eldris, Idris Elba. What's his friggin' name? It, Idris Elba. Yes. Idris Elba was friggin'. What the hell is a Barack Obama? Uh, I don't know things. <laughs> and we never got that. We never got that James Bond. No, but I I don't know. I th- thought it's very good, and I think I I want more. I think the one thing holding me back is I need more Killmonger. I think that's the. My complaint. But I, I, that's everyone's complaint. I want, it seems. I want my I want my standalone Shuri movie. Give him time. That, I mean, she's cute as fuck in this film. Holy crap, it was great. It's very good. Yeah. So buy. I'm a buy on Black Panther the film. I've been wanting to see it again. 
I don't. I don't I've seen two movies. What? 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 Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. Movies? What? Other movies? What movies? Yeah. This is what happens when you uh, you have a girlfriend and she wants you to take her to the movies. You go. <laughs> you go. Okay. See a dumb movie with Jason Bateman in it. <laughs> is which? Okay, that's uh. Game night. Is Game what it night. Is called. How how is that? It is not bad, you know. She picked it out, and it it she was not picking it out because it was like some kind of friggin' masterpiece, which is really the only reason I go to the movies. Um, but you know, when you have a dedicated person to to take out, it, it, it's okay. You don't really need to think about it too much. So it's this this stupid movie. This guy has like got a lot of sibling rivalry. Um, the idea is they're supposed to be like a, a fake, like almost like a, 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 an escape room Okay, that's going to happen to them, but it's like a fake kidnapping and they have to solve a puzzle. Right, right, right. In I, order to win the puzzle. I saw, I was like, I, I saw like them talking about reference, like it's a weird version of the game, uh, the David Fincher movie. And then that makes it make sense in my yeah. mind. The, the way that I, I, I am not familiar with that film, but. You know, the the idea is you kind of don't know, like, what, which parts of the film are, yeah, at least until the end. They do reveal it all at the end. But you don't know, like, what is, like, a real kidnapping and, you know, or, it, and, and it plays to that. There's dramatic irony there. Like, you're, you're pretty well aware that there's a real kidnapping going on um, and the characters are just kind of playing dumb about it. It's a silly movie, but it's... Um, I would say it's worth watching. You know, it, it, it's it's funny if you need something to do. Well, I, there's worse worse Jason Bateman movies to look at. The game is not a funny movie, so I think that's what yeah. the the twist is. Oh, it's like that, mm-hmm. but funny. Yeah, it, it is. It, it is quite funny. Um, well, what the heck else? I, I I also saw Coco, which I actually would wholeheartedly recommend watching. I've, I've seen a lot of like people. I've seen multiple people on Twitter calling it the, their favorite Pixar movie. It is a really beautiful movie. Um, it is a very surprisingly heavy movie because really from its very conception, I mean, it's about uh, it is about Day of the Dead. It mm-hmm. is about like visiting your dead ancestors. So it is like it is like rife with like stories like stories about death and it is very heavy and it's very poignant but like really beautiful and really well done um a lot of cute stuff a lot of really fun stuff very well done i mean there's a lot of stuff that just kind of makes you roll your eyes like the 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 major conceit of the movie is that the you know the 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 young boy who's the protagonist is like the great he finds out he's the great grandson of a great musician but he's always wanted to be a musician and his family is like friggin' footloose that they're like, no music, music is the devil. And I mean, like that's so absolutely preposterous. Like I, I cannot believe that I, I, I cannot, be, I don't know. That's a tough pill to swallow. Like I, I am, I can accept, Oh yeah, you're going into the spirit world like that. I shrug that <laughs> off, you know, that's common, like, that's common fantasy bullshit, but, like, your parents don't like music. Okay. Sure. 
that I mean, I would sooner rather people be like, we don't really eat food. <laughs> There's we're I breathetarians. I I'm not saying I, I I went to Christian school for a long time in my childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying that there were people there who didn't like music at all. But I will say that there are definitely adults, parents of my friends whose selection of acceptable music mm-hmm. was extraordinarily narrow. Oh yes. So I it mm, does it. I am I am familiar with um, a religious upbringing. You know, I had a lot of people telling me. I mean, you know, speaking of Footloose, literally that dancing was evil. Mm-hmm. That was a thing that real human beings told a real person, <laughs> i.e. me, yeah. when I was a child. They told me that fucking dancing was evil. That is that is firsthand a thing that happened to me. So I can accept the plot Footloose. <laughs> I cannot accept the plot Coco. I have to I have to completely suspend my disbelief that people would be like no don't touch that guitar <laughs> but but you can you can walk over the flower petal bridge into the afterlife and meet your great 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 grandfather on accident of course it, mm. it's like real life yeah of course no it's Whatever. Um, that is no reason to not enjoy a very beautiful movie. Um, well worth watching. Really lovely. You know, g- get it in HD. Really great. I mean, it is uh, it is Pixar at its finest. I'm really wondering like where this is going to go. You know, in terms of because uh, I think it actually even says pi- a Pixar film. You know, and not Disney Pixar. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they're keeping the Pixar brand. I thought they were going to end up phasing out the Pixar brand altogether. And it does not appear that's the I mean, maybe they will now that John Lasseter has um, had kind of a fall. He was an executive producer on this film. Um, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? I thought they were going to phase out the Pixar name entirely. But what WTF ever? I think they'll keep it as long as it makes them money. Well, they can make money with a Disney label too. I think they want the only reason they would they would take they would put out like Incredibles two under it. Yes, exactly. But Coco is a new property, and I don't see a lot of motivation for putting it out under anything but a Disney label. But you know, I don't know. I feel it, uh, it's a it's a strange and meaningless thing to me. I think there is a select amount of people who would see a Pixar movie but not see a Disney movie. Maybe you're right. Um, Some hipsters out there. I feel personally attacked by this. <laughs> I, I, I've watched Disney movies recently. I, Come I on. You're not a hipster, though, Eric. Are you kidding? I'm like fucking king hipster. Just Do you have any idea how many times I've been called hipster in my life? I don't I, I don't know how people see, look at you. You're Just because you dress, you pay attention to how you dress, does that make you, does that make you a hipster? I've been told yes, it does. Oh, I got, okay. I, I got, I got, I got. God Almighty! Someone said some some old man said Keds to me the other day. Said I was wearing Keds. <laughs> Keds. I'm like Keds. Keds. Yeah. Sure. Keds. Keds. Excellent. Keds. Yeah. Everyone knows Keds. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, that's what people were wearing when I was a child. Mm-hmm. I think that still exists. They they do they do exist. They're still a thing, but not like. 
They do exist. Yeah. yeah. He was calling my Chuck Taylors kids. <laughs> a shoe that is, like, probably as old as he is. Yeah, I was about to say, Chuck Taylors <laughs> have been around for, like, a The fucking Chuck Taylors that the kids wore in the fucking Sandlot movie <laughs> about, like, like the, the friggin', you know, kids in the 50s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I have a video game. That I want to talk Just about. one? I thought you had like 300 and haven't paid play but like 150. Oh, I have like 600. <laughs> oh, okay. But this Forgive is... me for misrepresenting you. Yeah, how dare you. This is a new video game from the makers of Faster Than Light, FTL. Um, FTL. You ever played FTL? No, I am familiar. Okay. It, FTL was a, a, a roguelike spaceship game where you had to travel around and fight guys in your spaceships and everything broke all the time. And it was very, yeah. very hard. Into the Breach is the name of their new game. It came out this past week. It is $15 US on uh, Steam, only on PC right now. I'm assuming it will eventually be ported to everything, much like FTL was. Into the Breach is a, an, a roguelike as well, where you uh, take control of a team of three mechs uh, of various kinds. Uh, they the, your, your beginner team, that you've, the first team you start off with is you know the big kind of robot-looking guy that punches. You have an artillery mech that shoots stuff, you know, in an arc, and then you have a tank that shoots stuff in a straight line, and that's a the like that's the simplest version of your team that you'll get as you play through the game. You unlock achievements. You'll be able to unlock more teams that have different abilities and different synergy amongst each other. Like the team that I've been playing as most recently is the it's called Blitzkrieg, and you have uh, one guy that has a grappling hook. Uh, one guy that throws a boulder, and one guy that has an electric whip. And the idea behind the Blitzkrieg team is that you, you move your the enemies around and then try and electrocute them all at once. And all the teams of mechs all have different synergistic abilities like that. You are fighting giant bug monsters that are underground, uh, that are attacking the Earth. and want to kill everyone. Uh, and you have to defend... The power grid, which are, is represented by buildings on the map. The power grid is your health bar throughout your run as you try and defend all these different islands and then ultimately face off against the big boss battle uh, and blow up the nest. It is a a tactical strategy game, uh, isometric, 8x8 grid, uh, kind of like a simplified uh, Advance Wars or Final Fantasy Tactics style gameplay. You know, where you are, you, you have like three movements, so you can move three grid over and then do your attack, uh, or you can, you know, and you see the enemy's movements and attacks before you go. So, you know, you see that the enemy is going to move, he's moving, he, he moved here, and then he's going to attack this building. This other enemy moved here, he's going to attack your guy. This other enemy moved here, uh, he's not attacking, but he's going to be doing an ability that does this thing. And so, you are, it, it's often... They're more like puzzles than anything. Have you, uh, I mean, the puzzle aspect is a little different than than this, but are you familiar with a, a game called Front Mission? I've heard Front it. Front Mission 3 name. was immediately the one that this made me think of. I've heard the name before. I, I don't think I've ever played it. It's just like isometric tactical combat with Mecha. Yes. And uh, I, I think that there's a lot of kind of uh, overlap in this, but like I kind of like the idea of... Um, it being a little like the puzzle solving angle. It's, it's fun. It's a neat idea. And that is in, it, it is very hard. I've been playing on normal and even, it, I, I think I've, I've gotten past the learning curve. I'm about 10 hours in. I've gotten to the point where I can, 
it, it it's not immediately like I can't do this. It is more like okay, I just need to move that guy over there, kill this guy, and move this guy in front of this guy, and so I can solve the problem so that I won't get hit and the buildings won't get hit. And so you know you're moving the guys around. You want them to hit the enemies. Well, hit each other. So you want oftentimes to get them in front of each other so that they'll shoot each other instead of a building. There's environmental uh, uh, effects depending on the map. You know, sometimes there's water tiles and the ground-based bugs. They can't swim, so they'll drown. There's some maps where the ground falls out from under you. There's some maps where there's a volcano and it shoots fire in very select spots. And if you can move the bug to that spot, it'll get killed. Um, it is all about moving guys around positioning and it is the hardest levels of it are very much like i just got to stare at this for a couple minutes and think about my options and think okay if i move this guy there i can move him there the roguelike element comes in if you fail if the power grid goes down if enough buildings are damaged basically or if your all your pilots are killed you are a time traveler it, it's it's like a time loop situation like to uh uh Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, or Live, Die, Repeat. <laughs> they, mm. changed, they changed the title, too. Where, you you know, oh, you, you, failed this, uh, you failed this fight. Travel back in time. Try and save the Earth again. And you can take one pilot with you. Uh, generally, you take the one that has a special ability and is leveled up. My current pilot has, um, I think, been through four loops now. I've kept them because they have flying add-on. So I can make any mech fly if I have a battery for it. Um, and there's a lot of other things like you can pick up, uh, new weapons, you know, you upgrade your, your mechs as you go through a run, you pick up new batteries, power their health and their abilities, make them better, stronger, faster. And then there's more enemies. There's different enemies that have different attacks and you have to learn all these patterns. There's different environmental effects. There's a bunch of stuff in this game. I have not unlocked all the mechs and I've beaten, I've technically beaten the game once, but it's really every single segment of mechs is a new challenge to beat them with. Like, okay, can you beat the game with these three? Can you beat the game with three random mechs? Can you beat the game with three particular mechs of your choosing? It's, there's so many permutations. The core gameplay itself is just so satisfying. When you line up everything just right, you get a bug that you move the bug over here, it gets blown up. This other bug gets electrocuted, it dies. It's connect. It's it's next to another guy who's next to a building who's next to another guy. So you sh you hit three guys with a loop of electricity. The last one, you throw a rock. It cr it moves him, pushes him into the water, and he drowns. Like it's very satisfying, and you get everything working right. It's a really good game. It also, it is because it is run based. You can kind of pick it up and put it down whenever you want. You can save at any time. Basically, it's a bite size thing. It it's it's a, a really really good price for what you can what you get out of the game. I can't recommend it enough. It's it's amazing. Into the breach. Cool man. Cool. We move on, Eric. You ready? Let us move. We can move on to our final segment. It's time for Nerdboy Book Club. Nerdboy Book Club is the part of the show Eric and I will assign a longer collected work and discuss it in depth like you would a book club. This week we are discussing, is this guy for real the unbelievable Andy Kaufman by Box Brown? Another another Box Brown biocomic. Falling on the heels of, I guess, Andre the Giant was a straight biocomic. The Tetris was more of a story of Tetris, not just a person. Although it's definitely cover the, the lives of the multiple people surrounding Tetris. Mm -hmm. 
I've always been fascinated by Andy Kaufman. I've really never been that interested in him. I mean, I, I, I think it's partly because of wrestling. Wrestling. I love Taxi. I watched Nick at Night as a kid a lot, and Taxi was always on. I have never watched the first episode of Taxi. Taxi's good. It's a good sitcom. I mean, yeah, the, I've, I, I've heard good things. It has, the cast is really strong. Um, I, 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 I watched wrestling. I watched Taxi. I watched the old Saturday Night Live videos of him doing his, uh, his weirdo performance pieces. And then I watched, I think I watched a documentary about him when I was young. And the idea of like, idea of ev- like everything about him was really interesting and the inherent like the way he lived like wrestlers lived you know he kept things kayfabe even though he wasn't a wrestler really mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. was always like fascinating that someone took that outside of wrestling you know because that's the thing i think about a lot in that wrestling is this weird thing where the guy like hulk hogan's name isn't hulk hogan but everywhere he goes he says yeah hi i'm hulk hogan and like wrestlers everyone knows them by their wrestling name and that is their real name their spouses call them by their wrestling name more often than not and yet when i don't know uh i don't know uh uh robert downey jr isn't he's not tony stark people don't yell tony stark at him he's robert downey jr you know his name Mm-hmm. He doesn't live like he's he's playing a character all the time because he's just an actor, and that's what wrestlers I mean, what, are. What is what is he? Johnny Depp. <laughs> Jesus, fuck uh, Johnny Depp. By the way, yeah, apparently, uh, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where we're at too. Um, I've always been. He's his story's always interested me. Interested me, and so this is basically. I like. I read this in one sitting. Basically, the day I got mm-hmm. it, I was just boom. It's it's. Definitely, I mean, I have had very minimal interest in uh, um, in Kaufman, but I, I definitely poured through this in um, one sitting as well. It's it's that kind of book. It's that kind of read. What did you think of it? Without because I had a lot. Of, I knew some of this stuff beforehand. I mean, I knew very little. Okay, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, I mean, I knew that he did the weird wrestling women thing, and then I knew that he was known for being weird and unstable. Um, and I knew he did the weird Tony Clifton thing all the time. But that was just basically it, that everyone's like, here's this weird guy, and everyone would call him, like, a genius, and that his ideas were very meta, and that he liked fucking with the audience. But it was all just sort of generalities, and maybe I'd seen a video here or there. Um, I never saw the the movie that's referenced in the book um so i mean i was really surprised to um jerry lawler in here that was shocking that was not a thing i knew about yeah that's the thing i knew that's the thing i was intimately familiar with because i had mm-hmm. seen i had seen all those shows like the all, everything i, I everything never it, saw i never saw jerry lawler do anything before he was a, a friggin like before he was a color commentator. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't, I think that's not, I don't think that, I think the popular conception of Lawler is him as his, as commentary with JR in, mm-hmm. in, in the Monday night raw, like in, you know, in the attitude era. Like, I think like that's the conception, but he is, he still wrestles today, but he was, he booked Memphis. He was the biggest draw. Like in, if you go down to that area, Waller is as big a celebrity as anyone. 
and and like they thousand like the the highest rated program like this book is not hyperbole about like that's the thing i like most about it is it i feel like the and that's the thing i just i dislike i think in retrospect about the documentary i saw when i was younger it felt like it very much was just like it was in on the andy kaufman kind of mythos well this lays it out very clearly like no kaufman and lawler they they were fine. They were, you know, they were, they worked together. They weren't mm-hmm. like there were, everything was a story. It was a storyline. It was like, yeah, they, and like the, I, I like this paints. I think that's the thing I like most about this is that it paints Andy as a relatively simple guy who just had wanted to have like put on shows and have fun. Like he was a weirdo, but he wasn't like this vindictive monster who hated the audience. He, he hated the audience because he was playing a heel. Like, that's mm-hmm. – like, I don't think wrestlers who are playing bad guys generally hate the audience. They're just playing bad guys. And that's what Coffin was doing a lot of the time. He just did it when he wasn't wrestling, too. Mm. I mean, I definitely – I enjoyed this, um, I don't know, model of him that um, that Brown's put up. I mean, rather than the way other people described him. I mean, it, it, it did make him seem like he – just wanted to be an asshole to people and he was doing things because he thought they were funny like he was basically only entertaining himself but the idea of like trying to get heat mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense yes and i mean i think that's the other i don't know this book does concern mostly his wrestling stuff mm-hmm. it, it touches on his other entertainment stuff but i think having it be the focus point makes sense because when you frame him as a wrestler a wrestling personality who just happened to also be a comedian it makes everything he does make a certain kind of uh, sense because he like that's easy for me in my head i understand like oh when a wrestler is trying to get heat when a heel wrestler is trying to get heat like they're not necessarily like and are, they're not entertaining people in the way you think they are, but mm-hmm. because they're enraging people, it's building up to when, like, the good guy, Jerry Lawler in this case, can put him in his place. We're just not I, – I feel like there's still a lot of people who don't – there's wrestling fans who don't understand that. So <laughs> they don't understand that sometimes they're doing bad things on purpose. They want you to not like them. Um, I, I don't know. He's – He's. I can't think of anyone like him since. He's a pretty weirdo, singular entertainer. Yeah. No one really ever took anything this far. No one ever did anything. I, 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 I don't know. Who the fuck is like this? They, were, they compared him, I think, didn't they compare him? Like his onstage presence to, um, uh, what was his name? Um robin williams why i couldn't think of robin williams i think it's yeah i think among comedians you're not going to find anyone Mm -hmm. else that's i think robin williams is probably the closest you're going to get yeah because robin williams wasn't afraid of just being a weirdo a lot of the time and doing strange things and experimenting Mm -hmm. but i mean he has there there's there's literally I and it's really a strange thing that I this book just happened to come out now and we're reading it because James Ellsworth, who was a, a, a 
he was a, a wrestler who got signed by the WWE because he is so like he's like a diminutive, small, average-looking dude. Uh, his whole gimmick is like I'm a nobody. And then he got released, and now he is touring the indies with his own new intergender wrestling championship, and will wrestle any woman who wants to wrestle him. But there's a lot more female wrestlers now, so he's generally facing mm-hmm. actual actual women wrestlers than just women from the crowd. Um, I don't know. Box Brown sure is good at telling a story. Box Brown, I just I just want to hug him. Like that's a and that's the thing. Like you, you keep I, you, we buy and read every single one of his books that come out, and mm. it. I I think that each the the way that they are so effortlessly, it seemed like effortlessly like these stories are told. You just like I can't. I gotta keep reading. I just want to. I can't put it down. Like this is really fascinating, and the way he's able to just spin these people's these these stories, these people's lives, into a very palatable a palatable way without I don't know. I'm sure if you read biographies of this, there's probably things left out, but I don't feel like it. You know, it, it feels like this is a complete art to his life. It makes his life like it structures Andy Kaufman's life in a way that makes sense, which is not easy to do. And the way his like the way he draws these guys it's relatively simple, but he brings so much emotion and character out of them. It's very charming. It is really amazing how he's able to do that, isn't it? Like, there's almost nothing. Um, like, I don't know. Like, the, the drawing of Andy Kaufman's very simple. The drawing of, of Lawler is very simple. You know, but somehow he boils people down to almost nothing you know mm-hmm. dots and a couple of lines like you would you would know that this is friggin elvis from his drawing of elvis mm-hmm. like it's pretty damn remarkable like there's a page 95 it has tony clifton and lawler right next to each other and like that is lawler in particular because it is like he was like he was like i don't know he, they it's just like one line for a jawline, a little goatee, and a king costume, and you're like, "Wow, that's Jerry Lawler," and that's perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that era of Jerry Lawler too. That time period. Yeah. It's very specific, and it really it looks like him. And I'm like very intimately familiar with with the, the, of of how Lawler has looked throughout the years, and it's really kind of spectacular that he is able to capture that so so well in this very like very simple cartoony style while still making me feel very like uh no attached to mm-hmm. these guys no box is a hell of a cartoonist you know and, like it's so innocent and childlike and just so easy to read and digest and just i i, I wonder how much time he spends with these likenesses you know, like it's wild that that Letterman looks like Letterman. I was about to say the same thing. Like, <laughs> why does that look like Letterman? That's crazy. It's just like you know, the first page you see Letterman, you're like, oh, David Letterman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how much time does he spend like honing these likenesses? 
Like, it looks like he drew this whole book in a week. And it's so on point. It's from, I don't know, it's it's remarkable. I don't think this is my favorite of his books. I think that's still Tetris. And then I think after that, um, Andre. But I think for me, it's just because I, I'm not as interested in, in, in Andy Kaufman. I, I I don't know. I Yeah, this is, I mean... I'm kind of neck and neck with Andre in this one because I just love. Oh yeah, I love wrestling, and Andy Kaufman was this weirdo who also loved wrestling, and like that's even more endearing, frankly, to mm-hmm. me. In that he wasn't like he was just an average dude who had some really fun, like clever ideas, and managed to like and worked himself into wrestling storylines when he didn't need to. When wrestling at the time, especially wrestling in Memphis, like that was like pretty small potatoes, and yet he was just like, nah. Man, I love wrestling, so I'm gonna like I can be a, like do wrestling storylines with Jerry Lawler. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna be friends with classy Freddie Blassie. Like that's like a like a thing that like makes me really appreciate what he was. Like there's there are those guys today. You know, there are uh, actors and comedians who want who love wrestling and want to be involved, but. I don't think anyone has ever I, – I don't know why I, – I guess it doesn't. I, I know why he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame is because he's dead. And he did, stuff in Mem- <laughs> he did stuff in Memphis and not in the WWE proper. That's, all, mm-hmm. that, that's the, the answer to that because Vince McMahon doesn't see the value in, in him being in, the fake, in their fake Hall of Fame. Um, but it's – I think the other thing about this is that I think just like Andre, like – it's not like it's unique to wrestling, but, you know, Andy's death is so, like, it's the saddest part to me because people didn't believe he was dead. Yeah. Because he always messed with people. He trolled people. And they were like, he can't be really hurt. He's not really injured, is he? He's not really sick. It's not possible. It's just another another joke. Well, people don't think Elvis is dead. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> Which I think that's a nice, that's a very funny, interesting parallel there because he loved mm-hmm. El- he loved Elvis so much. They both, they both, they both are eternally uh, still alive somewhere doing a th- doing something. I mean, Bob Zemuda still performs as Tony Clifton, mm-hmm. although it's lost all its charm to me. Eventually, you have to change your gimmick. Well, I never really had a lot of love for it to begin with, so I I, I don't know what to tell you there. What surprised you about this, then? This is a book that you're more drawn to than I am. I mean, I think it is the fact that it, one, it, it doesn't shy away from the the um, Andy, like, wrestling women because he fetishized it. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't shy away from that. Yeah. It doesn't, it also doesn't try and... I don't know. It doesn't like the. I, I think back to that documentary I watched. That, that's probably twenty five years old at this point. About it, about how oh because he did he did this things to the audience and isn't this he was so such a mystery and it was so unknown and it's so weird and they didn't they don't try and like make this so such a big thing. It just by it like be, I guess through the, it makes sense makes it make sense through the lens of wrestling in that Andy viewed everything as the performance. Mm-hmm. Just like wrestlers do, you know, they they're always performing to a certain extent. It's a little harder now to nowadays because that we're always watching them through social media and stuff. But it doesn't 
make that it doesn't go like oh it's mysterious and we don't know why he just did it because it he he thought it was it was funny it's like no he loved wrestling and in wrestling you are always performing your persona is always on you know when you're in the public eye that's what you do it's kayfabe you just you don't break it and especially back then and i i think that's the those, those are the things that's that i liked most about it and that it doesn't try and like it talks about the jim carrey man on the moon stuff and that recently has come up again uh, because people are talking, like the documentary uh, came out with showing that actually Jim Carrey method acting just was a jerk to everyone because he thought he was acting like Andy Coffin would because he was just Andy all the time. And Jerry Lawler, who was in the Man on the Moon documentary playing himself, the Man on the Moon documentary, the Man on the Moon film playing himself, he thought Jim Carrey was just being a jerk all the time. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about how Andy wasn't a like they show Andy's and and uh, Jerry's interactions backstage and in their hotel rooms, and they're together. They're like, "Yeah, that was great, man." They hated me, and then you came out like they have all this, you know. They plan stuff because they're just working together. They're telling a story together, and he, I, I don't know, human. I think it, it humanizes Andy. He's not some mythical guy, and that was the the impression I got when I was a child. It's like very much like he's like this mystical mythical weirdo. Who like sang Mighty Mouse and played the bongos and danced like Elvis and uh, was on a wrestled Jerry Lawler in Memphis and and made and uh, uh, insulted women and he played this big Hollywood big shot and like this is like no he's actually just a dude who like loved wrestling and so he kind of viewed everything through that uh, it, it's not he's not necessarily a perfect guy or anything but he was just a guy who had fun with the, that stuff and. I don't think it like he it doesn't paint him as like some unrepentant troll, which it, a lot of people maybe it felt that way to maybe some of the people he worked with. But mm. I, I don't this I, I like this gives a, a, a balanced human approach to him. He's just a guy, you know, he's not superhuman. And that's the thing, like so much of wrestling personalities, they get caught up in like they have to be this superhuman otherworldly thing. And if they if that is broken, then though their whole their whole their whole character is broken, and I think that a lot of it of Andy Kaufman in my mind was built up like he was built up like the Undertaker is, yeah. But he's just a guy. He's just this. He's just a guy. Love wrestling and like making people like doing weird things, weird performance pieces. Um, I don't know. He he did things that he thought was entertaining. I don't, it's, I don't, he didn't like, I don't think he necessarily insulted people. He just, I think some of the time he didn't understand why they didn't like the thing he did. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like immediately I saw, oh, a new Box Brown book. Oh, Box Brown's doing Andy Kaufman. I immediately was excited. So it's not, I don't, I'm, it, it surprised me. Like, I guess I shouldn't be surprised at this point, but you know, Box Brown just can't, it seemingly can't do wrong with these things. He's just really good at constructing these people's and these things, stories, telling him in a very nice, simple, clean way. Well, but I think that simplicity belies how actually structurally complicated they can be and how well he chooses his spots to break from kind of traditional structure. You know, there's, it's mostly like, Hey, this is simple, you know, six panel, seven, five panel, things like that. And then suddenly you get a page that is uh, a weird layout of the clothes that Andy wore when he wrestled women because he didn't want to show his erection. Mm -hmm. And like, part of that is kind of like, skeevy and then part of that is also like very it's almost sad you know it is kind of like it 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 makes him just this he's a flawed guy 
He's in that's and like that's all he was. Mm-hmm. A very unique performer, and I like I appreciate Box Brown picking him. Although I don't. We, so what's okay? So he did wrestler, video games, wrestler again, wrestling stuff. Mm-hmm. What do super? Do we do uh, Miyamoto, Mario Brothers? I would. I would definitely read that. So so would I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Story of he already kind of did, you know, Goonpei Yokoi and God, freaking this shit just fascinates me so much. But I mean, <sighs> this is. I think I don't. I mean, obviously, if you like wrestling, you like Andy Kaufman. You should definitely get this. But I, I think anyone could enjoy the the way that this, just the way that Box Brown tells stories and the way he draws it, makes. It- I I really I really think that yeah, all of his books. And I I can't think of anyone that I wouldn't hand even the Andre the Giant. Like I kind of want to turn around and get off my shelf and read it again now. Like he. <sighs> I think people really need to start reading Box Brown books. They're so good. They are so wonderful. Yeah, they're very accessible. And, and I mean that in the best way possible. Like, clarity of storytelling and mm-hmm. structure of a, 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 a biocomic. It's not an easy thing. And he makes it look easy. Mm-hmm. No, he, he makes it look like he did this in... in a couple of days and i love that he cites this big long bibliography at the end mm-hmm. that uh that makes me happy i love that he spent so much time like doing his research really doing the work yeah i mean i think that just further like impresses upon the fact that it looks like this very simple like yeah, it's just the story of this one guy but there's so many sources and he's cross-referencing things it helps add to the idea of depth and and, and nuance to his work even though it looks simple because of the way he draws mm-hmm. i think it's like um it's like reina it's easy to underestimate right exactly i wish the dude would be making some um some reina money though I'm not sure if there's anyone besides her doing that. Yeah, that's true. Um, anything else you want to say, Eric? Anything we haven't touched on? No, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. I think I'll do it for us today, folks. Uh, next week, not next week. I always I keep saying that. Next mm-hmm. time, in in four weeks' time, we we're gonna take an episode off. I will be traveling and make it very difficult to record. Uh, in 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 one month time from the time this is released, we will be uh reading and discussing Elephant Men. Uh, volumes zero through six. It's all on Comicsology Unlimited. If you're subscribed to that, you can read it for free. Uh, it's a book that has been around for a, a long time, and I've never read any of it. And I'm, I've only kind of looked at it from a, a distance. But Eric and I are gonna we're gonna read it, talk about it. Hope you read along with us. Uh, that'll do it for us today. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Links to everything there. Facebook. Uh, dot com slash hands boys comics hour twitter at hbc hour you can email us hands boys comics at gmail.com uh please uh follow us like us uh subscribe to us on all your podcast services apple Podcasts, stitcher radio Mu- google play music or any podcatcher app you use give us a five-star review or however uh they handle their recommendation system use it we appreciate it tell your friends all that good stuff too uh you can find me on twitter at robbie darman eric where can they find you and your things online? You can find my things by going to freewillunlimited.com. 
and see my portfolio there. You can also see many of the things I get up to online by going to ericzgoodnight.com. That includes my Instagram and my Twitter. Both are at easygoodnight. Yeah. Yeah. With that, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll. Thank <laughs> you.